You're listening to a podcast from Heart. It's Jim Hall here, Vice President for Training for the British Cardiovascular Society. Uh, I've just been had the pleasure of chairing a session this afternoon on Carry On in the Cath Lab, uh, which has given me lots of insights into the way that we can do things better in the future. The session was moderated by Chris. Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Sadler. I'm a consultant anaesthetist uh, and director of the Medical Simulation Centre at Bart's Health. And hi, my name is Tim Stevens. I'm the lead nurse for patient safety at Bart's uh, in London and also simulation trainer at Bart's in London. Uh, for those who weren't there, uh, I'm sure this will be available as a webcast. But we started off with a session from Rod Stables, who told us some of his insights from looking at problems in the airline industry with quality control and how these can be translated into analysing issues and problems which can arise in the cath lab, uh, particularly under pressure situations. We then went on to a film which had been produced by the uh, Barts and the London Simulation uh, Centre uh, where they looked at uh, how these team dynamics can be analysed and taught, in fact. That was a new lesson for me. We can teach people how to do things thing properly. Chris, what, what messages were you wanting to get across in this session? Okay, so uh, I think uh, we've seen uh, at the conference there are lots of stands using part-task simulators to train for practical skills, and these are obviously very important to, to learn as part of our training. But we're also aware that uh, non-technical skills are uh, essential if teams are going to work well together and we're going to uh, limit uh, the number of errors that occur in high-risk situations such as might occur in the cath lab. So what we wanted to do was to show a piece of film uh, that demonstrates how simulation can be used in situ in the cath lab to get people to manage a clinical scenario that has built into it lots of elements of uh, non-technical skills failures uh, so could, people could, could learn from these. The film shows management of a clinical situation uh, and then a debriefing afterwards of the uh, participants to, to get some learning about non-technical skills from that. One thing which came across to me very strongly is the skills that you need in the debriefing, that analysis. Uh, how long does it take people to learn how to do that? Uh, it can take quite a while. I think I've been doing this for about six years now. And I'd say probably the last two or three I felt to be referred to as an expert and could run a debrief single-handedly without any sort of supervision or support. From once you have done a sort of a facilitation course, you have started reflecting on some of the things that you need and and you can go out and do it. Uh, but it's it's difficult, I think, to begin with. When you you know the, the first few debriefs or the, first, the many debriefs you do at the start, it's a steep learning curve, I think. But it's one that it's it's enjoyable because it's another dimension to your professional practice, that I think is 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 really enjoyable to to develop. When I go back to base, back to the northern deanery, <coughs> back to the the northeast, back to Middlesbrough, and I want to try and introduce these uh, techniques to our teams to improve our performance. Will I be able to find uh, skilled facilitators locally, do you think? Possibly. Um, <laughs> so um, simulation in medicine has, has really come through anaesthesia. I think that's where, where it started in, in the late 90s. And so anaesthetic departments have generally been sort of slightly ahead of the game here in, in introducing simulation with 
whole body simulators to uh, and doing immersion simulation so you're setting up a real environment or mobile simulation where you take the the mannequin out into into a clinical workplace so you might find some expertise in your anesthetic department in particular uh, and it will probably be worth investigating that to see if they've got a program running for the anesthetists and maybe across the hospital with with a set of skilled facilitators already Yes, I think the way in which we're going to try to introduce this is by stealing other people's ideas and just uh, changing the words in them to cardiac from anaesthetist. And hopefully people will consider that flattering rather than uh, threatening. Well, I think it's important not to reinvent wheels. So, you know, if some of the work's been done already, then, uh, you know, then I'm all for utilising that rather than starting all over again. The only point of care would be to say that the non-technical skills required to be a good anaesthetist, which have been defined in the uh, ANTS framework, anaesthetic non-technical skills, have specifically been designed for anaesthetists, and those required for cardiologists may be slightly different. Um, and it's only through, uh, you know, trying to do a validated study of what non-technical skills required for uh, a cardiologist are that you come to that. So, so for the surgeons, we know that uh, they've produced a slightly different framework uh, in the uh, NOT study. Uh, this is the work from uh, the Scottish Clinical Simulation Centre in the uh, Industrial Psychology Unit at Aberdeen. So whilst it's okay probably to start using that, one might have to look and see whether the non-technical skills required to be a good cardiologist are any different. And they may be more similar to that of the, the surgeon than of the anaesthetist. Uh, I think certainly to starting off with using a piece of work that's already out there as a basis and then it will, it will grow, won't it, as you get people interested in talking about it, changes will naturally probably occur to it and then you might end up with something that's exactly what you need. You told us about the framework which has been developed for analysing non-technical skills. Could you just remind me what the framework is? So the ANTS framework, uh, so anaesthetist non-technical skills, has um, four categories uh, and those categories are task management, um, decision making, situation awareness and team working. Um, we are well aware from other high-risk industries that uh, non-technical skills are uh, very important and have played a large role in errors and accidents and that uh, the culture in these industries is very much one of that we need to train uh, in non-technical skills. In medicine, uh, this is starting to creep in now. There is a growing body of evidence that uh, failure of non-technical skills uh, does lead to patient morbidity and mortality. Well, certainly I sensed a lot of enthusiasm in the audience for the ideas that you were putting forward to us. I saw a lot of acceptance that uh, this makes sense. We all have seen uh, situations which could have been managed better uh, with better team dynamics, and this is clearly a way into it and something that the British Cardiovascular Society, through its training division and also its education and communication division, will be determined to take forward. So thank you both very much for uh, coming to Manchester, taking part in our conference and teaching us so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.